Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Keith Robinson. He is the author of his newest release, March of the Free in C Major, which is book three of the Master Symphony Trilogy. If you've been following the show at any point, you know we've talked about all three of his books in this series, which is today going to be the third one. And I love his work. He has created such a magical story, a magical universe filled with music. And music is a major, major, major part of this world. As a matter of fact, it makes the world go round, if I can use the cliche. I can't wait to tell you more about it in this exciting conclusion of the Master Symphony Trilogy. And for our new listeners, I can't wait to tell you about it because you're going to go want to get the first two books today. I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, A Chance for Genevieve. It's available on Amazon.com exclusively. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. We want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have app is showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. Finally, if you want to stay connected to our show, make sure you go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink subscribe button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so I'm going to bring on my guest co-host today, Keith. Keith, how are you doing? doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for coming back onto the show. You are the prime reason why I do this show because I love following your career, love seeing what new stories you are going to create. And now we're in the third story of the Master Symphony Trilogy. But those of you who know me and know Keith, you know I call him by another name. It is the name that mixes one grandparent with a godfather. So we call him the Grodfather. And so he is the Grodfather of apologetic fiction, in my opinion, with his first book called Logic's End. And I got to tell you, I was so pleased to know that I met someone who pioneered a a fictional genre. And I'm probably stretching my words a bit. And you're probably like, really, Parker? (laughs) You're probably saying that. But when people were talking about including apologetics with fiction, you were already doing it. Go ahead and tell us what fiction can do for apologetics that just straight apologetics can't. Wow, you build me up so much. I don't know if I can live up to this. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, when you look at apologetics is very, uh, you know, analytical, very logical. There's, you know, learning about how to 
craft arguments, how to think clearly and things like that. And there's a lot of people that, um, especially young people, that they just are not, that does not appeal to them. They they want action adventure stories. They want excitement, things like that. And so years ago, I had an idea. It, it came from the Left Behind series. As I said, they, well, they took they took End Times Prophecy and put it in an action adventure story and people are eating it up. And I was studying apologetics, particularly on creation and evolution debate. And I'm like, man, if somebody were to take the information I'm learning about that and put it into a book, I thought it would be fascinating. I thought people would enjoy it. And I was right. That sparked a career that I've been doing now for over 15 years of incorporating apologetics topics into sci-fi action adventure novels. So I like to say I've got strange creatures and laser guns and robots and time travel, but you're also learning about creation and evolution and how you can make a case for Christianity as the truth among the religions of the world and why does God allow suffering and evil and all of those kind of things. So maybe for those in the audience who aren't sure what apologetics is, that kind of sums up the, some of the big questions. And so I'm really excited to dig into March of the Free in C major. But of course, we have to do a quick review for those who are new. Tell us about the Master Symphony Trilogy. The Master Symphony Trilogy takes place in another universe where God is the great composer. Music can manipulate and control nature. He crafted the universe in such a way that music if you sing the right notes and the right harmonies and the right chord progressions with the right rhythms and all that stuff, you can control wind or fire or you can create portals or you can heal people through music and all of that stuff. I drew inspiration from Narnia, from Aslan singing Narnia into creation or from the Silmarillion from Tolkien in Middle Earth. And it's all about the God of that universe singing everything into creation. And so I kind of took that idea and said, what if God created a world or a universe where music could always manipulate and control nature and not just at the creation of time. And so that was kind of the spark for the storyline or for the, the world. I also have a master's degree in music education. God has taken me on such a strange journey because here I am a professional musician and orchestra teacher in the public schools, but I write sci-fi action adventure with apologetics and I'm a professional speaker on apologetics topics as well. And so it's been a very strange journey, but the storyline of the the Master Symphony Trilogy, it starts with the abduction of a wealthy family. The main characters are trying to rescue that family. They don't realize that they're actually playing into the hands of, of the evil Tritonus overlords who have concocted this grand scheme and plot to recover some lost musical artifacts so that they can wage war upon the galaxy. You know, stuff like that. It's very much space opera, uh, very much like Star Wars. I like to say it's like Star Wars, but instead of Jedi Masters, you have music masters. And then I was at a conference just a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was talking to someone, and they're like, oh, so basically if Star Wars is space wizards, you have space bards. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's kind of the series in a nutshell, galactic warfare and spaceships, but it's coming from a Christian perspective with a tackling issues like why does God allow suffering and evil? I also talk about racism and the image of God and how all of the six races in this universe are created by God. And if we're all created by God, then we all have value and worth, including those with special needs. So I have a special needs 
like autistic teenage alien character in this series. And if it weren't for him, the galaxy would have been plunged into darkness and, you know, spoiler alert. What's interesting about that is that when people add inclusion into their stories, which is a biggie nowadays in fiction, we forget that as writers, we already have inclusion because we are created, or rather we create with the idea that I'm going to create whatever kind of character I want. They may be black, they may be white, or in your case, it could be aliens with the ability to manipulate the world around them through music. And so God already gives us this massive creativity to do that. And so when it comes to inclusion, you're already going to do that just by being a writer. You're, <laughs> you're going to do that anyway. And I particularly like the parallel between the composer singing the universe into existence with biblical scripture, where it's in the beginning, and God said, let there be light. And that's how we interpret it. But I bet if we were there, it would be a more magical thing to have seen than anything else. We would probably be just blown away by it. We recently know about the James A. Webb telescope taking pictures of deep space. And the scientists are getting really emotional about how clear the images are and how they're learning things right now or seeing new things to probe right this second, okay, because of this new camera that's taking pictures of deep space. Why would we not feel the same way about what God did for us, for our own creation? Those images are stunning. And it's me personally, when I look at that, I'm like, wow, God is the most amazing artist out there. And yet the, you know, the secular scientists, they miss all of that. Like they're, they're totally missing the grandeur and wonder of it all. I agree with you wholeheartedly because I was looking at that and I got really emotional, especially the first image they released from that telescope was a pin view of place full of galaxies. When you see it, it looks like diamonds and rubies and just different colors just studded in the darkness. And I say, here we are looking at how vast the universe is. And the Lord said, I love PJ. I love Keith. I'm going to die for you. Yeah. And we see all that immense space out there. He still says, behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We look at all this vastness and he says, let us make man in our image. It's just incredible. Like when I see it, it's incredible to have that sort of importance in the eyes of the creator of all. Just as a creator in your book, you have this massive universe and you talked about the mechanics of the universe, but now we're getting to the conclusion of the master symphony. And so for those who have been following the trilogy, what are they going to pick up on? It's okay if you're a little spoily because we're at the third book now, but not too much. So don't give us like the plot. <laughs> you know what I mean? So tell us a little bit what to expect in the third book. Mild spoilers ahead. As I described in the overview of the entire series, the evil Tritonus overlords have this plot to recover these ancient instruments. And in short, they're, by the end of the second book, their plot is successful. They are able to launch a, a galactic war against the, the major and perfect races, uh, which are represented by the white keys on the piano and then the minor cultures are the, the black keys on the piano. And uh, so it's, it's, again, it's all very music-based. In this third and final book of the series, the war has been raging now for seven years. The good races are not winning. The heroes stumble upon a possible way that they can overcome the evil Tritonus armies. And it's a very risky gamble. They have to go undercover into enemy territory and uh, in order to try to make very, how do I say it, questionable alliances with those who do not always share their views on things. One of the themes that I have running in this third book in particular is in this universe, 
music, as I said, can manipulate and control nature. It's very mechanical, very, you know, if you do, you know, the, the right things, you can, you can shape, you know, water or whatever. So it's very, very scientific. And I actually call it the musical sciences. But in the end of this book and through the course of this book, I talk about the power of worship. Because worship is totally different from the musical sciences. It's something that they have, the, the heroes have no control over. They're just worshiping God, and God is the one that does it. I, I drew inspiration again from scripture where the Israelites would send the priests out ahead of the army. That was one of the main inspirations for this entire series is I, I just had the image of the, the priests out there singing and praising God with the army behind them. And I wanted to do something similar to that in this series. And so that's, again, mild spoilers, but uh, that plays a, a huge key component in the heroes achieving victory, which part of the title of this book is C major. And that's because God is represented by the note C and it's through his power that the heroes achieve victory. And so that's why the book is in C major. I like the fact that you show about how worship is so powerful in general. I was thinking of this the other day. Why are there so many people who can sing well? And I think singing is a weapon as well as a tool of worship. How is it that when we worship, we release the problems that we have to God? One of my pastors, I can't remember which one, preached about the very same thing, about how when they took down the walls of Jericho, at first they just went around, didn't say anything. Then the seventh day, they went around seven times, and then they gave a great shout. They started to worship, and the walls fell down. They were able to conquer the city. And so you look about how powerful music is, generally speaking, but take that to the next level of worship. When you seed and you praise the God who gave us the ability to sing, when you give it all to him, that's powerful. That is letting his will be done. And of course, there's always been this fascination in my head, and I know you may have thought this too, about what if we could hear the song of the universe? And I bet the song of the universe would be singing praises to God. Like everything was singing praises. The galaxies would sing. The planets in that galaxy would sing. The stars in that galaxy would sing. The dust would sing. <laughs> everything would sing. And it may be a beautiful sound to him. So that was one thing I was thinking of. So I like the fact that you added that element into the story. Now, at the third book, how can you tell us how your writing has changed from book one to book three? That's a bit of a tough question. How has my writing changed? Well, or if not your writing, your attitude, because you grow with a series, I believe, and you also grow with each book you create. So how has that, how has the series changed you as a writer? Maybe, maybe that's the better question. Yeah. And I was, you're, that's, you're thinking along the same lines I was. I mean, every book you write, as you know, you change and you grow and you learn a little bit more of how to craft things a little bit better and stuff like that. I, I just think that my writing is, has gotten to the point where it's not it's not as difficult as it used to be. Um, things flow a little bit smoother and easier. Um, I will say that this has been my heftiest series. Each of the books has come in right around a hundred thousand words, and uh, which is very interesting. The first novel is of the series is four hundred and sixty two pages. And books three and four are 464 pages exactly. Like, how do you even do that? <laughs> that means you're being very diligent. <laughs> right. So they were exactly the same size. But um, yeah, I would just say that I, I feel like I am growing in my writing and that things are getting a little bit smoother and easier. It took a lot out of me to get this series to wrap up smoothly, to, to get it where I wanted it. 
I have great editors that help me out, one of which is my brother. And he he calls me on the carpet all the time with stuff. And I do rewrites and he's like, oh, that's so much better. I was tearing up that time, you know. And so it's nice to have someone to bounce things. He's my, oh, I don't, I don't want to compare myself to C.S. Lewis, but he would be my Tolkien or for Tolkien, he's my C.S. Lewis. And it's just nice to have someone who knows the craft and bounces. I can bounce ideas off of and he can challenge me to make it better. So that's a little bit less about how my writing has grown as much as it is to say that I've really got a group of people that help me out on making it the best it can be. So, And I want to understand, I know he's actually writing too. Corey, he's writing too, isn't he? Actually, I have two brothers and my brother, uh, they're both writers uh, in some degrees. Um, yeah, Corey has got a new book coming out sometime. And uh, my brother, Kevin, has written some children's books that we keep telling him he needs to get in print. So, but he's a, he's a full-time pastor and his time is limited. They're just great books and I want to see him get out there. But yeah, so he, he's taken some classes on writing and things like that. And he just, him and I are on the same page with a lot of stuff. And so he helps me out. Well, yeah, I think I I remember him talking about his book. I think it was Corey though. And I remember telling him, Hey, when it's ready, let me know. So it's still open. So if you want to let him know, Kevin, go ahead and keep, go ahead and let him know. Hey, I'm ready when he is. So I would love to read All right, this book. All right, will do. So let yeah, it's, it's Kevin, Keith, and Corey. <laughs> I know my parents are crazy. Kevin, Kevin is the oldest and Corey is the youngest and I'm in the middle. So I won't get that mixed up at all. Will I? So anyway, so here we are. You're at the end of this trilogy. I know you're, you're going to be done with this trilogy. Is there any plans to do a prequel? Are there plans to do side stories or this is the world? Enjoy it. <laughs> Tell us what you think your plans are for the future for this series. I have another series I want to write right first. Um, I actually want to write a, a middle grade series, more for kids, that is um, not in this universe. It's going to be fantasy, but it deals a lot with virtue and stuff. And the ideas for that series are coming together very quickly. For one thing, I need a little bit of a break because Master Symphony was, like I said, it was very long. It was very epic and it took a lot out of me. So I want to write something a little bit simpler and easier for a little bit. But I do have an idea for a sequel slash prequel involving time travel uh, with the Master Symphony universe. I spent so much time developing the Twin Galaxies and doing the world building. And one of the greatest compliments that I've gotten about the series is the world building. And so people like the universe. And so the beautiful thing about it is you can tell any number of stories once you get the universe created. So, yeah, I do have some ideas that might involve some time travel in this universe. I understand what you mean about getting fatigued by the universe. And when you put your whole soul into something like that, it becomes entrenched in you. You're almost bathed in it and you need a break. So I totally understand. So with your middle grade one, I'm assuming that it's going to be talk, you said talk about themes of virtue. So probably about purity, probably about modesty, probably about things of that nature, but in a, fa in a fantastical manner. That's what I'm assuming, right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much I want to delve into modesty and all that stuff. I was more thinking like what's really been on my heart for the first book is going to be about temperance. Um, I, I kind of, again, I, I don't, it's hard to compare yourself with someone like C.S. Lewis, but I do want to make this kind of like my version of Narnia or as close as I can get to it, except there aren't going to be humans from earth going to this, this world. It's going to be just another world, but it's going to be a lot more comedy than I'm used to writing a lot more lighthearted, but there's going to be action. And I do want to focus on the, the concept of like temperance. One of the things that's been on my heart as a teacher, 
and just as someone, as an apologist, someone who studies the culture and things like that, is that we in our society, I believe, have lost the concept of the will versus emotions and feelings. And nowadays, it seems that the general feel is you need to go with your feelings. If you have a feeling that that's who you are and you just need to act on those feelings. Whereas we've always, the scripture teaches and the virtues teach that God has given us a willpower, a will, and that it's the flesh versus the spirit. And we need to use our will. We need to use our spirit and have God's help to not act on our feelings, but to to let our will guide our lives and not be just controlled by our emotions that change from day to day, from hour to hour. And I really want to give young people uh, some imagery to help them to understand that like well, there's going to be a scene where it's kind of a, a training thing and there's a big tug of war battle and the, those in charge, you know, the trainers end up stacking one side against the others and the, the kids get frustrated and then they say, well, you don't understand this tug of war is an object lesson for you to understand the battle between the flesh and the spirit that, or your will and your emotions that you need to understand that whichever side that you stack, whichever side you add the strength to, that's the side that's going to win. To try to help young people understand, you have to feed your and strengthen your willpower. And I want to use the imagery too of a muscle, that the more you strengthen that muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it's going to get. And so you need to strengthen your willpower to overcome your emotions. Sorry, you got me started. I'm going to preach. There is nothing wrong with that at all. I was really enjoying you talking about it because it lets us know that this is something that needs to be said because people are saying as long as you feel happy, then you are happy. But we also know that happiness is fleeting and that joy is sustainable. One of the fruits of the spirit is joy. And but joy only comes from God. It really comes from him. Now, happiness can be brought on by different things. You can have a successful day. You can have won the award. Happy moments. But what does joy come from? Where does that inner happiness come from? If you want, it comes from the Lord because he sustains you. So I love the fact that you're going to be focusing on that because this newer generation doesn't have any concept of saying, I need to control my frustrations. I need to control my, my feelings because your feelings fleet. They are never the same. Five minutes from now, I can feel pretty despondent. Five minutes after I feel despondent, I can feel happy. Five minutes after that, I can feel sad. Our feelings change, but we have the will to say, no matter how I feel, I'm going to accomplish what I'm going to accomplish today. That is the difference. And that can be on just the secular level. That's just the secular level. If it's not the spiritual level, it goes even more. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever I'm going through, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. That's spiritual right there. So that's why I can have joy. I can say, when I am weak, then he is strong. So that's makes it even more. So children do need to understand that. So I'm really glad that the Lord is giving you that vision to tackle. And then I want to let our listeners know about uh, Master Symphony. There are some other things attached to the Master Symphony trilogy that I want you to tell about. I know you have some music available as well. Yeah. So I, um, when book one was coming out, um, I got in contact with a composer who was interested. He, he was a music pastor at a church and he was interested in creating some music, a music CD to accompany the book. So we did the first one and there are, the CD has specific page numbers and chapters so that when a character is singing to heal someone or singing to open a portal, you play the track on the CD and you can hear the character singing 
to open the portal or to heal someone. So it's a very unique experience. Sadly, he got halfway through book two and he is, has told me that he doesn't have the time to finish it. And I'm really disappointed because I have a lot of fans that are like, I loved the CD for book one. When's book two coming out? Now, he did say he's going to try to get to it later this year, maybe. Part of the, the change is that because of COVID, uh, the senior pastor at their church ended up leaving and he ended up becoming the senior pastor. So as you can imagine, his duties have increased. And so he doesn't have as much time to compose. But it was it's a very fun experience. And yeah, it, it, it's been selling very well. Well, I'm glad to hear that there may be a light at the end of the tunnel. And you're like, oh, no, you can't do this to me. But you know what? It just gives someone else an opportunity probably to come in and plug in that hole. We never know how the Lord uses these stops and delays for our betterment, either for you or for someone else. So we never know how that works out. Right. And he was halfway through book two. <laughs> like, oh, you're almost there, dude. You're I know. almost there. Come on. Just, hey, set aside a Saturday. I don't care that you have to preach. Just set aside a Saturday. (laughs) But I know we have to be mindful of his time as well because he is doing a greater thing. He is being more um, ministerial, things of that nature. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. So people want to get in contact with you. Where can they find you online? Well, my website is apologeticsfiction.com. So A-P-O-L-O-G, apologetics. Uh, it's pretty much as it sounds, but apologeticsfiction.com. Um, they can also find me on Facebook. I have two pages. I have both my author page of Keith A. Robinson, as well as uh, my Apologetics Fiction Facebook page or group. So they can find me there. You've learned a lot through this journey of being a writer in the past 15 years. So go ahead and encourage our aspiring authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. Well, as a professional musician, one of the things that you learn as you as you take more, as you, you grow in your skills, is you start to learn that you, there's a whole lot more you don't know. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. And so the only way to really get better as a musician is to just practice. I mean, we all know that, that with practice, you get better and then you gain, you start to master certain skills and then you find another skill that you need to master. Uh, and then you work on that one until you get that one. And then it just keeps going and you just keep getting better and better. That journey is exactly the same for being an author is you just got to dive in. You got to make mistakes. And then you have, you get some, somebody to look at your work and offer you some suggestions, hopefully in polite ways. And then you take that and you have to work on their suggestions and you get better. And then you get somebody else that'll teach you something else. And then you get better at that. So my encouragement would be to just do it. One of the things that uh, I've learned over the years as an author is is, uh, a lot of the teachers out there will tell you, you just got to get the rough draft done. That is the first thing. Don't don't get into the editing when you're still writing the front first draft. You've got to finish the book. Even if you want to go back and like one of the things I'll do is I'll, I'll go back to a previous chapter and add a note like, oh, I need to add this into this scene. But I don't stop my writing to do that right there. I finish the draft first, then go back. And when I get to the editing process, I might see my notes that say it adds something into a scene. So then I'll add it at that point. But you just got to get the rough draft done and then work on the editing and all that stuff. Keith, thank you so much for being with me again on the show. Really enjoyed having you, as I always do. And I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Parker. And we were talking today to Keith Robinson. He is the author of his newest release called March of the Free in C Major. And that is book three of the Master Symphony Trilogy, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. One thing I love about this whole series is the covers are absolutely astounding. And we've talked about that in previous shows. So even if you just go check out these books, look at the covers. The covers are amazing. And we want to give kudos to Keith's uh, graphic design artists who did those covers. But I really want you to take encouragement in what Keith said. You have to keep going at it. You have to keep trying. You have to get help. Get a small team of supporters who are going to push you through this thing called writing. No one has to write on the island. You can be with a community of writers and a community of supporters who are helping you going to be a better writer. So go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.